So this segment of the podcast is a very special segment. Uh, We have an interview today, and it is with our friend Little Bear the Muppet. Little Bear the Muppet, how you doing today? That's good. Um, I just wanted to come to you in front of everybody and just ask for forgiveness because I got your little nutty snipped earlier this week. And uh, I don't know if you're really forgiving me for that or not, you know, so I'm just asking right now. Are we good? You're not saying anything like you're making me look real bad right now. I'm going to need you to really like at least say wolf. I forgive you or let's talk about it later or something. Just (sighs) yeah, this is awkward. Okay. So I got a lot of work to do in this house uh, because certain fluffy family members decided they ain't going to forgive me for getting their little nutty snip. So y'all pray for us and and keep us lifted. Um, Yeah, I'd appreciate that. Yeah. Brown out. Ladies and gentlemen, what is happening? What is going on? This is uh, the Let's Get It podcast. Once again, I am Jordan Brown. Glad to have you guys here. And uh, today we are doing our second episode in the Forgiveness University series. And this is called FU2, Self-Forgiveness 101. And the purpose of this, we're going to learn how to face facts when it comes to being able to address how we people struggle with forgiving ourselves going to explore the roots of how we suck at life when it comes to understanding how God has forgiven us. And then from there, we're going to determine how this thinking actually arrests our ability to move forward in life. So yeah, we're going to get real. Also, this class has a lifetime of homework. You will probably fail a lot. Ultimately, though, you're going to learn that the failure means nothing. So happy studies. Um, We're going to talk about how to love and forgive our neighbors. That's a big assignment boy um, and why loving ourselves is necessary before we can even do that and we're going to talk about how a homeless dude founds a city wait what yeah um then we're going to talk about the one excuse me uh i messed that up when we do the facebook live you'll hear me talk about the two things uh that are difficult for god to do and then also i'm going to give you a final forgiveness Project. So I'm excited about today, man. I invite you to go ahead and step into my world and all my craziness. I thank you in advance. Again, this is the Let's Get It podcast. Let's get it. Some answers, and that's really what tonight is all about. So thank you guys again for joining. Really excited uh, that we can continue to do this. Demencio, thank you, brother. Uh, I ain't preaching yet, man. I ain't preaching. I'm just trying to live right now. Uh, But yeah, so without further ado, uh, the Let's Get It podcast is moving forward. And 
I just want to dive right into it. So we are looking at, like I said, uh, self-forgiveness one-on-one. And I just kind of wanted to start off with, I think one of the things that would be a deeply rooted misunderstanding uh, when it comes to the process of forgiveness and how it ultimately has to do with love. Um, I've heard, especially as a married man, uh, that, you know, uh, we are taught to understand that our marriages, if nothing else, are supposed to be built on love. Uh, And someone checked me a long time ago and said, marriages really aren't built on love. And, oh, Lord, I am right. They were. (laughs) Anyway, um, they're really not built on love, though. And I was kind of confused when he said that. I was like, why why would they not be built on love? God is love. You know, you can use all the cliche uh, statements you want. Um, But they told me, no, it's built on forgiveness. I had to kind of sit back for a second and just be like, wow, you're right. Um, because if there's anything that I have learned uh, in my, my six and a half years, soon to be seven uh, years of marriage, is that uh, the people that love you the most will most certainly um, hurt you uh, the most likewise because they know you the best. And, you know, when it comes down to it, that's not necessarily a bad thing. I think it's another opportunity for us to be able to learn, um, learn more about ourselves, learn more about, uh, the people that we've decided to join ourselves to. Um, you know, this is kind of coming on the heels of some very interesting moments because like any other married couple, uh, my wife and I, we go through and I love her and, and she loves me. Um, you know, uh, but, you know, it's just, I guess it's kind of fresh in my mind right now. That's pretty much all I have to say uh, about that at the moment because if not, I will be talking about the wrong subject and we will not be dealing with self-forgiveness one-on-one. So let's move on. Um, so, yeah. I do feel like forgiveness and love are definitely attached uh, when it comes down to it. And, you know, I was thinking about a verse specifically that I wanted to go and dive into, uh, Matthew 22, 39. And it's, uh, it says as follows, uh, a second is equally important. And really, we're talking about the two greatest commandments that Jesus gives. Uh, a second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. So now we're talking about loving your neighbor as yourself, as yourself. Let's just get to the point. What happens when you don't love yourself? At least not the way that you should. Never mind the fact that these two commandments given by Jesus are actually split in two. I think that's I think that's interesting enough in itself, but I feel like this one is split and it's by itself uh, for a reason. Like it has some kind of significance. Um, And, you know, I just want to focus on the mistake that I think we make when we look at this verse. I have seen many people approach this text and just read it and just say, yeah, great. You know, love your God with all your heart, mind, soul and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Cool. Uh, But we cannot assume that when we see this command, um, the one who is receiving it is spiritually healthy enough to carry it out to completion. Real talk. I cannot go on living without making an observation that when I read the Bible, I don't agree with everything that it says. It's a really broad statement, but very, very true. Um, 
And depending on my mindset, something that I can see and read as truth um, and know that it's truth, I will struggle with. Just like everybody else will be struggling with it. Uh, because there is there's something inside of us. You know, Jeremiah 17, 9 says that, what is it? Our heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. I mean, think about that for a second, bro. If your heart is deceitfully wicked, desperate, all these things, um, then you cannot always depend on it to be able to make the decisions that we need to make. And that also would include yourself. How do you view yourself? What do you think about yourself? What do you feel about your life as you know it? You know, that is one of the things that kind of boggles me the most because I know I've spent years trying to get over the fact that I am who I am, struggling with identity and developing myself um, in my identity. And to be honest with you, I've come a very long way because I don't care how confident I might seem because I'm a large African-American male and, you know, just being big always constitutes having something about yourself that says you think you, you know what you know and you are who you are. I've come a very long way. Um, <clears throat> and I've seen people who also have not come a very long way. Uh, and I know that you know, just witnessing being around them, um, you know, you've got to fight through you first before you can get to dealing with anybody else. So when I look at that passage and it says, love your neighbor as yourself, how much are you really loving yourself to be able to love your neighbor? You know, I, I feel like um, the significance in that is too many people do not get out of the starting gate of being able to live life and experience life with people long enough to be able to make the decision that they're going to love somebody else. And I mean, this is not just, you know, I mean, it's marriage is cool, but just any relationship in general is going to put you in the scenario um, where you are faced with making the decision. Uh, to love people. And so I'm talking about love, of course, but now let's flip the script. Uh, what the guy told me about love and how it is not what marriages are truly built on. I mean, they love is the foundation, of course. You know, faith, hope, love, 1 Corinthians 13. We've all heard the passages that somebody's wedding somewhere. Um, but, you know, in the grand scheme of things, the forgiveness piece is the one that we have to work on, especially because if you look at it, People hurt people. Hurt people hurt people. And then it becomes cyclical. Um, and it can be a vicious cycle if left unchecked. Just bottom line stuff. So what I really wanted to take the time out and do um, is just kind of beg the question, you know, how do we figure out within ourselves the ability to learn to forgive? Um, because when we figure out how to learn to forgive, then maybe we, we can use that application first on ourselves and then be able to move on um, in dealing with other people. And, you know, I, for one, feel like the Bible is the source, the answer for all things. Uh, and it being the answer for all things, we need to be looking at it if we're trying to find answers to certain things, um, especially when it comes to forgiveness. So, you know, I want to take you guys, and I'm sorry because I was supposed to have some notes. It didn't quite work out, so I'm on my phone. So if you see me moving stuff, uh, I'm doing my best here. You know, Facebook Live is, is a beautiful thing. Um, but, you know, you don't have everything all the time. Neither here nor there. Uh, but, yeah, I, uh, I went ahead and um, I just uh, I wanted to take the opportunity to to look at what I feel is like a seedbed when it comes down to it. 
for the beginnings of forgiveness. And so if you if you look in and you saw the syllabus that I put on Insta, uh, it's very interesting. So so this homeless dude founds the city. Wait, what? Like, how does a homeless dude found a city? It's an interesting question, but I got an answer for it. And of course, that is the Bible. And if you want to, um, you can look in Genesis chapter four, and we're going to go through verses eight through 17. I'm a huge fan of the NLT, but use whatever version you want to use. Um, and before I approach it, I just want to say in my notes, uh, there's still a lot of talk regarding, you know, the God of the Old Testament. I know if you guys have ever been at any church, somebody from somewhere has come out their mouth talking about the God of the Old Testament or quote unquote angry God or whatever you, you want to call it. Um, but if we're dealing with two separate gods and we're not, <laughs> you know, you just got to dismiss that. Um, then, you know, the main school of thought involving the divide, the division of understanding the God that we love so much um, and the punishment we see in the Old Testament, it, it seems more dire. It seems. And I'll give you the argument that only two people are, quote unquote, struck dead in the New Testament. Um, that, of course, being Ananias and Sapphira. Uh, but even though we don't have time to really break down how and why the Old Testament is really misunderstood um, as a narrative because it was presented by man. And if you want some help with that, too, I'll encourage you. Uh, there's a book that I read by a guy named David Lamb. It's called God Behaving Badly. And it, it addresses a lot of stuff, whether or not God was racist, whether or not he was sexist. Uh, just read the book, man. It's really, really good. Uh, but what we're going to do here is we're going to take a look at a couple of narratives. Or actually, just one now. Um, at the very beginning of the Bible, like I said in Genesis. And I'm hoping to cast a very interesting vantage point uh, on this rather, rather well-known story. So uh, I'm going to grab my Bible. You grab your Bible. Let's open it up. Genesis chapter 4, verses 8 through 17. Um, and... I love this area because it's just it speaks a lot to me specifically. I've been in the process of working on a book for quite some time uh, and still working on it. It's probably taking me a little too long, but, you know, y'all pray for the kid. Uh, but, of course, the story is Cain and Abel. And, of course, we all know what happens with Cain and Abel. We know that Cain ends up killing Abel, and that's kind of where we're going to start off. Um, so, like I said, in verse 8, <clears throat> it says the following. One day, Cain suggested to his brother, let's go out into the fields. Uh, and while they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. So we, we got that. That's good. Afterward, the Lord asked Cain, where is your brother? Where is Abel? And I think that's interesting because he asked him two times because I think he already knew the answer he was going to get because he's God, of course. Uh, I don't know, Cain responded. Am I my brother's guardian? Verse 10, but the Lord said, what have you done? Listen, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Now you are cursed and banished from the ground, which has swallowed your brother's blood. No longer will you, um, will the ground yield good crops for you, no matter how hard you work. From now on, listen to me, you will be a homeless wanderer on the earth. Homeless wanderer on the earth. Cain replied to the Lord, my punishment is too great for me to bear. Son, really? Like you just killed somebody and you're a homeless wanderer and uh, that's, that's too great for you to bear. Okay, cool. Good job. You're a pansy. Anyway, <clears throat> you have banished me from the land 
and from your presence. You have made me a homeless wanderer. Anyone who finds me will kill me. I love how he says anyone because you can, you can break base on this. Like some five-year-old finds him, he's going to kill him. But he just killed somebody. So, yeah, anyone. It's a good choice of words. Anyway, the Lord replied, no, uh, for I will give you sevenfold punishment to anyone or give sevenfold punishment to anyone who kills you. Then the Lord put a mark on Cain to warn anyone who might try to kill him. Listen to this. Verse 16. So Cain left the Lord's presence and settled in the land of Nod, east of Eden. Now, this specifically deals, I think, with, with, with grace more than anything. And that's actually what uh, the book I'm working on is about. Um, but how does a homeless person settle? Think about that for like three good seconds. Like, how does a homeless person settle? You can't just settle if you've been listed by God as a homeless wanderer. Better yet, let's move forward. So he settled in the land of Nod, which also, by the way, Nod means wanderer or wandering. So, you know, God didn't let him forget about what he had done. He didn't let him forget about uh, the disciplinary action that that was cast upon him. Uh, but look at 17. So Cain had sexual relations with his wife. So yeah, he goes from being a homeless wanderer to finally having a wife and then gets to have sexual relations. Congratulations, your punishment seems really horrible. Anyway, um, and she became pregnant and gave birth to Enoch. Then, and listen to this last part, Cain founded a city which he named Enoch after his son. Homeless dude founds a city. Homeless dude founds a city. Now, this is unprecedented because this is only the fourth chapter of Genesis. So if we're looking at this, there's, n there's nothing that we can conclude from reading previous chapters or previous stories in the Bible. But I would posit to you this thought right here. Maybe this, in a sense, is the beginnings of the protocol or God's blueprint for forgiveness. For forgiveness. Because if you think about it, you know, what we get to see here is the following. We see Cain in the process of atonement. We see God's design for forgiveness. And here, he's able to do something or he's able to do that for someone whom appeared to pretty much be condemned for murdering his own brother. I mean, let's transpose. What have you done that's that bad? I mean, maybe somebody up here has killed his own brother. I don't know. If you have, I'm, I'm, what I'm trying to tell you is there's forgiveness. Of course, there's probably penalty. You, you might need to be in jail right now. But forgiveness. Maybe it was the process of Cain walking it out. Because obviously, I don't think he did anything else that was that dumb, hopefully, prayerfully, uh, that God would have had to do something else to him. You know, I mean, all of this probably just not a, a good look for you unless God disciplines you, but in the process forgives you to the point that you get to settle, you get a wife, and you get to found it. You get to found a city. Like, think about that. Like, who here is founding cities today? Besides people like dignitaries or whatever the case may be. So now that we have this understanding of what God has probably done for each and every one of us, even though we felt like, you know, the Old Testament God was just so, so 
so oppressive. Like, does that sound oppressive to you? If it does, then we might need to have a talk and we might need to listen to one of my pastors, uh, CDs, um, a sermon called 10 Ways to Know That You're Deceived. Uh, but we can, we can keep it moving from there. So, okay, now that we have this understanding that, that forgiveness is, is, is possibly a, a key inclusion to what we can address when it comes to doing anything, including killing your brother, um, I just want to kind of take a look at uh, God himself. God is willing to do a lot of things for us, obviously. Um, he sent his son a little over 2,000 years ago to die on the cross for us. Uh, you know, the, the great scandal of, of, of grace. Um, but, you know, I feel like there's one thing that it's difficult for God to do for us. Um, actually, really, there's two things when it comes down to it, now that I think about it. The first thing is nothing, because there's nothing that's impossible for God. Uh, but the second thing is, in his gifting of will and volition in our lives, which is just the ability to make our own decisions, um, God is not going to make our own decisions for us. And this is something that we're going to struggle with probably a lot before it's all said and done, uh, which is why I really, again, wanted to tackle this subject first. I mean, then specifically forgiveness, self-forgiveness, one-on-one, because from here, I think we would be remiss to say that to be able to forgive other people, you you have to know how to forgive yourself first. If you don't know how to forgive yourself first, then it's almost pointless to attempt to forgive other people, Um, because you can say that you have forgiven them. But if there's something that continues to manifest itself within your heart, if there's a seedbed somewhere in there that just continues to remember, um, you know, the Bible says, uh, you know, have nothing to do with or get rid of material things. Uh, I would posit this in your spirit for about three seconds. Remember that your memory is material. Because if memory is not material, then what is it that you're actually holding on to? There's no more tangible substance. If there's no tangible substance, then you are not actually uh, able to acknowledge whatever it is in the past that is that that should not be affecting you because it no longer exists. You know what I'm saying? But I mean, you can put that in a lot of different contexts. You know, for anybody out there who's been in certain relationships, you did certain things you weren't supposed to do. Why would you go back to that relationship if you didn't remember how quote unquote good it was? Uh, to be in that relationship, to do those things you probably weren't supposed to be doing. Or obviously, here's a clean cut one. Everyone has been hurt by somebody. I mean, what is it like to remember that hurt? Probably sucks. And there's nothing tangible about that when it comes down to it. But the memory of it is the thing that drives us back into those situations. It's the thing that drives us back into those scenarios. So you have to be aware that your memory is material. And so if we have nothing to do with material things, um, you know, I think that's the, the beginning point to accessing forgiveness for ourselves and for other people. So think about the many times that you've messed up in this life. Remember the many times you beat yourself down in this life. And, you know, this is big picture. It goes far deeper. Like, I don't want to be theological because this really isn't that kind of podcast. We're Bible, but I'm not trying to go pro-theology, but to be honest with you, um, there is a, a representation or a school of thought of theology that carried itself from 
Eastern culture a long time ago and made it over here that is actually rather wrong. Um, and it, it grants a depiction of, of our love for God and our ability to serve God is one that is very, very condemning. It lacks grace. I'll put it that way. Like I said, we don't have time to get into that, but it's carried itself so much that it has been adopted by pretty much all Western Christian, Christian culture. And so what do you do with that? I don't know. For now, anyway. I'm trying my best to, to figure it out. That's, that's why we're doing this podcast. Anyway, I'm, I'm, I've been on this way, way too long. Um, so I have one thought and potentially one remedy uh, when it comes to the understanding of, of us being able to forgive ourselves. Um, and I ain't trying to be the person who's controversial. This ain't shock jock radio or anything like that. Um, but I want to give you something that I feel like God gave me a little while ago that really helped me out uh, when it came down to it. And, you know, I've, I've had uh, small groups that I've had conversations with some of my boys with this on. Um, and I wanted to share it with you all because I feel like it helped set me free from a lot of stuff. And I'm believing it can set somebody else free as well. And so here it goes. Uh, when it comes to us sinning and making mistakes, one of the things that we always do is we, you know, I don't know how you do it, but the bottom line is you always, as a Christian, uh, go to God and you're like, oh my God, Lord, please forgive me. Um, I'm sorry. I did this. I did such and such. Please forgive me. Please forgive me. Please forgive me. Um, but I feel like we're doing that all kinds of wrong. And instead, I want to propose this to you. Why don't we stop asking God for forgiveness? Stop it. Stop. No, I'm not trying to be heretical. But I want you to think about it this way. Jesus' death on the cross was a one-time transaction, right? And in that one-time transaction, he took care of every sin you are ever going to commit. Past, present, future. So if he took care of all the sins, and no, this isn't just an excuse for y'all to just run out and gallivant and do whatever the heck you want because you've already been forgiven. No, that's not how the grace initiative works. Stop thinking that now. Don't be ratchet. Thank you. Um, but yeah, if that one transaction takes care of all of our sins, then why don't we think about approaching God this way instead? Number one, say, Lord, thank you for your forgiveness of my many sins. And then instead of begging and pleading for something that you already have, surprise, uh, why don't we say instead, I'm sorry for the thing I've done. And then list it. This is what I did. I mean, I've struggled with a lot of things in this lifetime, folks, and we ain't got time to discuss all that. I can put all my skeletons out there. I don't have a problem doing that. I've never been that person. Um, but, yeah, I mean, when you do it, apologize and actually list what you've done. Say it out loud because I guarantee you the conviction in that is going to be 10 times more than anybody asking or begging for forgiveness because that's more like 
the cat that's been cheating on his girl and he just got caught. You know, that's a sucky way to to handle things. It really, really is. Um, but seriously, I mean, the one transaction that seals a victorious fate for all of us, uh, if we think about it the way that we should think about it, we cannot keep ourselves, and yeah, I'm looking at my notes right now, um, at the starting line of grace in our journey when Jesus said, on your mark, get set, go. Because he said that like 2,000 years ago. Uh, from that moment, he declared for himself, it is finished. And then he gave up his spirit. So it's no wonder if we approach forgiveness for ourselves this way, uh, we give up on feeling like we are truly actually forgiven. And nobody wants to feel like that. Uh, you don't want to feel like you're eternally obligated to beg for all your wrongs and mistakes to be pardoned. That is hopelessness defined. And I would quit on that. But the good news is we don't have to. And so, you know, I'm about to wrap up. I want to encourage you, you know, because we're going to have homework. You always have homework in, in, in school, and this is Forgiveness University. I want y'all to just kind of take a good scope into yourselves, into your lives, and I want you to approach your misgivings, your faults, your sin, your whatever, um, and I want you to approach it from the standpoint of, yeah, I did it, and I'm sorry that I did it, but I already know that I'm forgiven. Uh, because when you do, you realize that whatever chains you've had weighing you down, they probably have no business being on you. You know, Jesus died on the cross so that we could be free. And so any mindset that you have that is not freeing your thinking is not the right mindset. Bottom line. Um, and what I want you to be able to do is I want you to be able to remember that for yourself. Because as we continue in the process of Forgiveness University, I want you to be able to take it and then use it to be able to forgive other people. Um, because as tough as it is to, to operate in self-forgiveness, is 10 times more difficult to deal with forgiveness when it comes to addressing people who hurt us or put us in positions uh, that we have no control over. Um, and I can tell you right now that that's going to happen a lot more in this lifetime because we, we live in a world where, to be honest with you, people are just flat out mean. Um, and in most cases, it's not their fault. To be honest with you, somebody else did something to them uh, that started the process of them not trusting. And then, therefore, the only way that they cannot be hurt is to hurt. Um, you know, I, I'm not going to break down all the psychology because I'm nobody's psychologist, but I can guarantee you this. Uh, the people who hurt you, I guarantee something happened to them that caused them to want to hurt you. And maybe not you directly. Um, but, you know, uh, in the <laughs> I don't know. I've said in the grand scheme of things way too much. That's why I hate doing live stuff because you catch yourself doing stuff way too often. Uh, but yeah, just be encouraged uh, because all I know is as we continue to move through this, this is a process that I prayed freed me. Um, and it did. And it doesn't mean I don't have my days where I struggle. I definitely do. Um, but, you know, there's nothing in you that God has not put in you that has not been designed to overcome every obstacle that we will have in this lifetime. And the minute that you understand that, 
it almost makes you invincible to a point. Um, and that's kind of what my prayer is for, for y'all is that you learn how to forgive yourself to the point where you are invincible against yourself. And then in the gradual progression, you become invincible against those who are going to do whatever to you in this lifetime. Um, and I just, uh, I'm excited because in my prayers, I think I've already seen that, uh, happen, but I just, I want to, I want to finish up real quick. Um, I didn't get a chance to read all the all the comments, and I'm sorry because it, it didn't automatically scroll, and I was kind of hoping it did that just in case somebody had some questions. Um, I will look very quickly to see if there are any, um, and then after that, I'm going about my business because, like y'all, I'm tired, and I'm ready, I'm ready to go to go to bed. Yeah. Um, okay, somebody asked me what's good. I'm good. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, oh, my bro, bro, Cotis. Uh, what haven't I done which warrants wrath? Jeez, brother. Really? <laughs> That's what we're doing right now? Um, yeah, we've all sinned and fallen short of the mark. Uh, and I think that's why I'm approaching this because, uh, in this, ooh, I don't have time to get into that. That's really what I want to work on. And that's really part of what the book is about. It's not just about forgiveness. Like I said, it's about grace. Um, but I think that we all really miss. Uh, the understanding that nobody is perfect and a big piece of that is that man and woman as they were created were not perfect either we think that they were uh, but if you read the bible carefully it does not say that they were perfect it just said that they were naked and unashamed and no i did not say adam and eve i said that for a reason and i'm gonna leave that alone we can talk about that another time um we have to forgive ourselves and forgive others yep forgive others say something oh we was Shout me down. God bless you. Um, my sister Sam, right. Be specific about your struggles. Forgiveness is already accessible. However, just because it is accessible doesn't mean we should bound or be bound by more chains when he came to set us free. And that's very true. And, and knowing your struggles, girl, I know that that's something that you have definitely fought through and worked through. So I honor you in that. Um, you're an amazing little sister. And Jeff Matos, my boy. All I can say is, sir, I forgive you. Uh, for not hooking me up the way I would like to be hooked up at El Rincón Tropical, which has some of the best Puerto Rican food ever. Anyway, all right, cool. Uh, I'm going to wrap up. Thank you guys very much for tuning in. Uh, I'm excited. Next week, hopefully, same bad time, same bad channel. Um, and just know that I'm praying for you guys. Uh, if this resonates with you, feel free, again, to shoot me an email with prayer requests um, and even praise reports at inspired one usa again inspired the number one usa at gmail.com also don't forget to subscribe uh to the podcast um the easiest way to subscribe is by the anchor app um and if you want to the links are in all my bios uh and remember in the next couple of weeks i will be raffling to anybody who has subscribed um what appears to be two 25 dollar visa gift cards just to say thank you uh for riding with me i definitely appreciate that uh, but it'd be nothing else. Just know that you guys are in my prayers. I'm excited. Can't wait to talk to you again next week. Uh, again, be inspired to inspire because that's what the inspired one does. Love y'all. Take care. Peace out. <laughs>